0: Take your Bibles out and turn to the book of 3rd John. Uh, in other words, go to the book of Revelation, hang a left, and you'll find 3rd John right there. It's one of the easier ones to find. We are, for those of you who are new, we've been all summer doing a study on some of the smaller letters of the New Testament. And so we've got this week and next week uh, to finish up this series in a couple weeks. It's, hard as it, it's so hard to believe school starts again for... A lot of our students, uh, a week from Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, a lot of our students will be going back to college in a couple of weeks, and so we'll be starting a new series in the fall, which I'll um, queue up in just a moment because it fits with it fits with this theme. But today, we're looking at the third letter of John, and uh, I really enjoy doing this because I don't get to do it very often where I get to read a whole book of the Bible in public uh, at church, and so we're going to do that. We're going to read the whole we read all of Second John, we get to read all of Third John. Next week we'll read Jude. I don't know if you've ever studied Jude before, but buckle up. I'm going to actually pick one or two of the verses I understand, and then we'll, uh, we'll look at the whole, we'll try and get a preview of that book uh, next week. But today, uh, the book of Third John. So just follow along, and if you didn't bring your Bible, you can look up on screen. But honestly, I prefer you brought your Bible. Uh, I don't know why, it just shows really good. Spiritual life. If you have a big Bible that you're toting around, so here we go. Third John, starting with verse one, to the elder, to my excuse me, the elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health, and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth. And how you continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friends, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. I don't know who that dude is, but he is not well spoken of. So if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, gossiping maliciously about us. Not satisfied with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Third John follows the truths of First and Second John really very closely. It's a little more application to the friend that he's writing to and to the church that is listening to the letter, but it really has to do with loving people and walking in truth. Loving people and walking in truth. John's primary theme in this letter is the truth. Follow the way of truth. <clears throat> and we'll see that truth is a big component of all that, that John writes. So today I want to talk about, just for a moment, love and truth love and truth. The first point is this, and this will be by far the longest point. I just want to go ahead and cue it up because this is where everything starts. It's this. Believe the truth. Believe the truth. Back in the first four verses of this short book, here's what he says. The elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy to have some brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. After simply identifying himself as the elder and addressing Gaius as his dear friend, he goes on to identify key behavior in a Christian's life. I mean, look at it, four times in these first four verses, he talks about walking in the truth, being a people who are faithful to the truth. Backing up just a little bit, one of John's themes, if you read the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, and now 3 John, has to do with the truth. Let me just walk you through it just a little bit, so you'll see. In John 1:14, you remember that favorite, famous passage, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he gets down to verse 14, and he says, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling his home among us. Who is the Word in this case? Jesus is the Word. And by the way, to me, there, there's no doubt In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So that Jesus is God, fully God. John is really making this important truth known, that the Word then became flesh, God became flesh, and made his home among us. And he goes on and says, we have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, talking again about Jesus, full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. truth is very important. Hello? Truth is very important, and we need to believe the truth. I I have always found it fascinating that if you were to go around and ask people, why why did Jesus come? Why was Jesus on this earth? I mean, you're going to get all sorts of answers, and and they're true in various forms. He came to Set the captives free. He came to uh, redeem us. He came to help us get forgiveness of sins. He came to help us restore our relationship with God. But I I find it interesting that in uh, the book of John, chapter 18, verse 37, when Jesus talks about his purpose, he says, In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to do what? To testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. In other words, I, I believe that one, the, maybe not one of, but the key component that Jesus came to restore was the balance that the enemy in his lies reaped sowed in the earth and have been reaped over millennial. Jesus came to restore the truth. He came to testify to the truth. He came to be the truth in the flesh. I think in many ways we minimize this. This aspect of Jesus being truth. Because, do you remember Pilate's next question? Jesus is standing before Pilate and he's basically questioning him and he says, this is why I was born, this is why I came to testify to the truth. Pilate's next question is the question that many of us have, which is, what is truth? What is truth? Is there any truth? Can each person just determine what truth is for themselves? We hold these truths to be self-evident. Are they really all that evident? Is truth really evident? You see, we live in a day and age where truth really is whatever we say it is. We live in an age where we encourage people to to embrace their own truth and embrace their own reality and then walk in that reality, whatever that truth may be. In other words, as my eighth grade algebra teacher told me, you're a perfect whatever you are. I mean, think about it. He came from that Middle Eastern, not Middle Eastern, but Far Eastern, ancient wisdom, Buddhist kind of mentality. You're you're a perfect whatever you are. Whatever you are, just embrace the perfection of how screwed up you are. (laughs) The answer to this question is that Jesus is the truth. He made it clear, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm just walking through John, John 8, 32. If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 17, he prays to the Father, sanctify them, how? By the truth, and your word, O God, is truth. So to be clear, when we say that faithfulness to the truth we have to come to the point where we realize that we're being faithful to a person, the person of Jesus. The person of Jesus who is the truth. Who is God in the flesh. Now wait a minute. Let's back up a second. To say Jesus is God in the flesh is a theological or doctrinal position. Right? So in other words, Yes, I am saying yes to the truth of a relationship with Jesus. But at some point, I also have to say yes to a a belief, a way of thinking. There's, There's both a relational and intellectual component, or faith component even better, to this believe the truth. I can't just say I believe in general without something specific taking place. Now, see, here's the problem. I know that um, as soon as I start talking about doctrine and theology, we get this Glades look on our eyes. Oh, here he goes. He's going to start talking about, you know, stuff. I- I'll, just give you a, I'll just give you an example. For some of you, I queued up the next series last week. And I, by the way, the next series I'm doing is on the Apostles' Creed, which we're going to entitle, I Believe. And as soon as I said it, generally when I announce a new series, there's, oh, yes. But I said, we're going to the Apostles' Creed, I Believe. And I, there was just this, <laughs> last week, there's just this, like, curtain that came down over people's eyes, like, I was all excited about it, and you're like, some of you, most of you, were like, really? Really? Do you know, the Apostles' Creed is really about Jesus. I, be, it's, I believe in God the Father, but it, it's really, what do we believe? And I'm doing it because what we believe is important, and we live in an age where there is no truth. It's all fake news. It's all fake everything. You can't, I, I, you know, I, I don't know if you're like me, but I cannot watch or read anything, but the skepticism comes upon me that I don't know what is true, what is real, what is right anymore. Now, why is this important? Why is what you believe important? I'm going to say something I've said for 20-something years. Uh, But some of you are new, and it's good to reiterate it just for me as well as you. I'm going to say it because it's true. (laughs) This morning, you woke up took a shower brush your teeth i hope <clears throat> put on clothes drove to church why 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 did you do all these things and more ate breakfast see if i backed up a little bit i would say you, you got up and took a shower because you know cleanliness is next to godliness right but it's better to go out in public smelling good than smelling bad. You brush your teeth because you don't want your teeth to decay. You, 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 you put on clothes because it's socially acceptable and better to go out with clothes on than naked at this point in history. You um, ate breakfast because, you no, know, it's the most important meal of the day. You went to church because... Why did you do all of those things? Ultimately, you did them because there's a belief system behind it. You believed something that caused you to act in that way. You believed about showering and teeth and breakfast and clothes and church and all. Here's my contention. You act upon what you believe to be true. Therefore, what you believe is really important what you believe is really important. And I, there's a corollary to this, by the way, that we could get into, which is this, that if you don't act upon something, then you don't really believe it to be true. I mean, for instance, in the church, we say we believe in prayer, but how much do we really pray? Why do we not pray so much? Well, I know it I would contend it's because we don't really believe that prayer matters. We believe that somebody else's prayers matter, but I don't know if I believe that mine matter, therefore I don't really participate in the process. You see, Mark Twain once said, it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble, it's what you know for sure that just ain't so. If you think about it. The things that aren't true that you think are true that then you act on. There's an old Peanuts cartoon, Peanuts Charlie Brown. Linus and Lucy are sitting out watching it rain, and Lucy says, boy, look at it rain. What What if it floods the whole world? To which Linus replies, it'll never do that. In the ninth chapter of Genesis, God promised Noah that would never happen again, and the sign of the promise is the rainbow. And Lucy says, you've taken a, Great, load off my mind. And Linus says, sound theology has a way of doing that. You know, theology, sound theology is good. Why? Because it's a reflection of the truth of who God is and what he does in our lives. it's, It's better, I'm trying to say, for us to believe the truth than to believe a lie. Believe the truth. You see, Christianity is more than just some mystical experience, and it's more than just a moral order. There is is a truth that has to be believed, and it is this, that Jesus is God in the flesh. That That anyone and anything that says other than that is not speaking the truth. There is a truth to be believed. So I hope you'll get excited about the Apostles' Creed study coming up uh, on what we believe. Come on, get pumped up. Not only that, but uh, Gabriel and and Craig are going to start in September, starting doing um, some nights where they study a little more in depth some theological truths, worship and and praise and, and different ideas, creative ideas. So I hope you'll participate in that as well. So number one, believe the truth. Second is this, protect the truth. Protect the truth. Verses 4 and 5, John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers, even though they are strangers to you. There's a faithfulness, a protection over the truth. Remain faithful to the truth you've received. That's really what John is doing. If you look at the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, John is battling for truth in a day when people are trying to minimize the truth about who Jesus is. And in John's mind, John's experience, there's nothing more important than this truth about who Jesus is. And he wants to protect it. Again, I'm not going to... back up too far into this whole Gnosticism idea. But the Gnostic idea was basically, again, that spirit is good, flesh is bad. It's one component of Gnosticism. Gnosis means knowledge, G-N-O-S-I-S. It means knowledge, And, and there's this idea you had to have a special knowledge to really be a follower of God. And this knowledge entailed this idea that Spirit is good, flesh is bad. Therefore, Jesus could not be both fully God and fully man because those two components couldn't occupy the same space in their minds. So John is battling this Greek, mystical, Gnostic idea that Jesus was not God in the flesh. And by the way, the ramifications just spiral out of control from if you actually believed that. You'll end up in some sort of Unitarian idea that, that nothing, the truth is whatever you make it. Just live an idea, if, if you want to receive that or this or that or this, just be a perfect whatever you are. And so John is wanting to protect the truth. And at the core of it, If you look back in 1 John 2.22, here's the truth he's protecting. He's saying, who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. John, I don't know if you get it, but in this verse in 1 John, he is swinging a big hammer. I mean... our tendency would be to say, you know, if someone denies that Jesus is fully God and fully man, he's just mistaken. And John is saying he is not mistaken. He is a, he's a liar. He has the spirit of antichrist. Now, I, 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 there's a grace we want to give to those who are not followers of Jesus Christ, right? In other words, we don't want to swing a condemning aspect. But he's talking about people inside the fold, inside the church, who are saying, look, all of this is really good, but Jesus really wasn't the Christ. You can come to this gathering, but really Jesus isn't the Christ. So I I don't think he's so much talking about those who have never experienced and never heard, but he's talking about those who are claiming to be but aren't. He's saying these people are liars. They're not just mistaken, they have the spirit of the Antichrist on them. John is, in essence, saying this from my perspective, my belief, my reading of this is that you cannot be a Christian and deny that Jesus is God in the flesh. You can't be. The two things don't go together. You can't be, to be a follower of Christ is not a person who merely follows the moral teachings of Jesus. I've heard people talk about it before. You know, I I don't believe Jesus was really God in the flesh, but I really like his teachings, and I think it'll help me to follow his teachings. I'll call myself a Christian. No, you can call yourself that, but it don't make you so. John is saying that at its essence, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to be a Christ follower, a Christian, you have to receive the truth that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Why is this so critical? Because... All of our faith hinges upon the truth that Jesus died on the cross. Why? Because some good men, I mean some bad men, put him there and killed him? You know, he's just a a martyr for moral teachings? No, he died on the cross. And the only way that that matters is that he was fully God. In other words, he was perfect. He had never sinned. He died as a spotless lamb. Sacrificing his life for ours so that our, our wrongdoings could be forgiven. This is the gospel. And to deny this is to change what you, we call Christianity into some whole new religion. It's not really. Here, here, here's my bottom line. There are certain things I hold loosely in the Christian you know, in belief system. In, in other words, I, honestly, I have no idea how the end times are going to unfold. I don't know if we're talking seven years. I don't know if it's an epoch in time. I don't know I have an idea that I like to hold on to about what it looks like honestly, I don't know. So I'm not going to fight with people over it. I'm not going to battle. Now, I do think that what you believe about the end times will dictate how you respond to different people groups. I'm not going to get into this. This is a whole different discussion, you know, how you treat those who are in Judaism or not or whatever. It, it does matter in the way you're, it unfolds because, again, I believe you act upon what you believe to be true. So it does matter. But what I'm saying is, as far as fellowship with one another, I, you know, I, I'm just not going to separate over this. You know, baptism, should it be immersion, sprinkling, infants, adults? I've got a pretty strong view on this, but I am not going to say someone is not a brother in Christ if they baptize different than me. I mean, I could go on down the road and talk about different belief systems. so you are like, well, let's talk about that one. We'll talk about it at some point in the future. But right now, I'm just saying there are certain things I think we can hold loosely. But there is one we cannot. And that Jesus is God in the flesh. Who came to die for our sins. Everything else separates. It, it is a point of separation between what we would call Christianity. Because again, if Jesus was not God in the flesh, then a a good man died on the cross. And a good man, no matter how good he was, would not have been good enough for my sins to be forgiven. So the only one who could do it would have been God himself. To take the penalty of my sin upon him himself. Listen, in 1925, uh, Adolf Hitler, I know that was an abrupt turn, but just hang with me for a second. In 1925, Adolf Hitler published Mein Kampf. And in Mein Kampf, he he articulated a certain philosophical idea that um, the Jews were blaming the loss of World War I on a, um, a specific general named Eric Ludendorff. And he said, this is a big lie. It's a big lie that the war was lost. And it's the Jews who are blaming. Now what Hitler was remarkably, and I, I can't even say, I can't believe he was this smart, though I can believe he was this evil. He, he was basically creating a lie within a lie. And a lie that was actually bigger than the lie he was proposing. In other words, I don't know if you're following me here, but he was proposing that there is a lie that is so big and so preposterous that no one would claim that this is true unless it were true. Are you following me? He called this the big lie. And his big lie was first that the Jews were blaming this general, But within the context, he was creating an even bigger lie, which is that all of our problems are because of the Jews. And this big lie was so big and so preposterous that for him to even propose it, it must be true. And he knew it. And he even said at some point, hey, no one's going to ask the victor if he told the truth. I'm not going to get into politics today and truth versus a lie. My deal is this. There is no lie bigger than the lie that Jesus is not God in the flesh. And if the enemy can paint right up to the line to try and make you think Jesus was a good man, that taught really important things, that... He was good, but he was just a man. Then he gets you to buy into the biggest of lies, which I believe in turn will keep you from a relationship with God. Satan is indeed the father of lies, and it's why we in turn need to protect the truth. We need to protect the truth. And some people may be sitting here saying, well, look, you know, some people, they just... They're not really liars. They just have never heard the truth. And I'm going to back up and I'm, I'm to tread really carefully here. But Paul, in Romans 1, 2, and 3, says God has revealed himself to all of humanity in some way or another that leads and guides them to the truth so that when they get before God, they're going to stand there without excuse. And... Paul and John are both basically saying that there is no excuse to say, I I was just mistaken. God is going to judge in a very different way. Now, I'm not going to be the one who judges. I'm going to let God handle that. But he said the judgment of God is going to be this, that you are a liar if you declare that Jesus is not. I know that gets really heavy, doesn't it? To me, that's why we should be protecting the truth and proclaiming the truth to everyone who will listen so that they can hear this truth. Jesus, fully God, fully man, came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on a cross, not because some bad men put him there, but because he went there to die for my wrongdoings to be forgiven so that I can turn and have a relationship with God. This is the gospel of Christ. One day, two friends who were professors at Oxford were walking together. One was an avowed atheist. One was a Christian. The atheist says to the Christian, you know what? When you read the old myths, the old stories, it almost makes you feel like there really is truth, there really is a right and a wrong, that there really is a heaven and a hell. And then he says, this is the atheist speaking, he says, but myths are lies, though breathed through silver. Now, first of all, who says that? Unless you're a literary professor going around, myths are lies, though breathed through silver. Kind of like, you know, you're just kind of, we would say in Alabama something quite different than, than, than that in general. But then the Christian friend says, they're not lies. And then he explains to his atheist friend that all the elements of truth or God in them are in those myths because God is leading all men towards himself and toward the truth. And it's coming out in these stories. And then he explains the gospel to him. Shortly thereafter, the atheist, C.S. Lewis, becomes a follower of Christ because his friend, J.R.R. Tolkien, explained to him that he used the word, the greatest myth. And myth is not as in how we describe myth, but myth is in story. Later, at some point, Lewis will write a book entitled, Myth Became Fact. Why are we so moved by all these old stories? You know, I, 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 still, I still get all misty at Beauty and the Beast. When love triumphs and the beast is transformed because of the power of love. I love the Lion King. I, I mean, I love that the, when the king is in control, that everything is in order. Even Frozen. (laughs) You know what? She sings this big song that I'm, you know, I'm basically coming out. I'm going to be me. But then she realizes by the end that being me is not going to win. That it's the love she has between her and her sister that triumphs over me being all I was meant to be. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Why are we so moved by these stories? Because I think in the, in the crux of them, there's an element of truth. Here's my point. God is revealing himself. God is manifesting himself through nature, through story, through music, through the word, if we will just listen to the truth rather than the lie. And we, as followers of Jesus Christ, we've been given the truth. We've been called to protect the truth. We've been called to proclaim the truth. Paul says, as I've mentioned many times, the church is like this multifaceted diamond held up to the truth of the light of God, portraying the truths of God in all its glory and splendor. Are, are we really? Or are we more like hunkering down and just hoping that the world doesn't corrupt us too much? Have we become so inwardly focused as the church that we don't proclaim the light of the glory of God to the world? I could go down the list of the ways the church has become locked in. We don't protect Let me say it like this. We don't protect the truth by isolating ourselves from others. I mean, we don't. That was never God's call on the church, to so protect the truth that you become a monastery. I think a lot of good things came out of monastic life. But in its core, I think it was in error, and still is. That that really the glory of God was go into all the world and make disciples. Well, what if the dirty world gets on me? Hey, I'm with you always. My power is going to come upon you. I could stay here a long time too, but I'm going to move on. And it's this, live the truth, but live it to the glory of God. Live it in a way that, that, that is winsome to people, that, that we proclaim his truth. Listen, if you go out to the world today, stand on the corner and you say to someone, do you believe Jesus is God in the flesh? They'll probably say, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, you're a liar. you got the spirit of Antichrist on you. If you start talking like that, people probably aren't going to come. You know what I mean? But that's what we do. We stand on the corner. Hey, all homosexuals are going to hell. Oh, that's so winsome. That's, I'm sure thousands of people have come to know Jesus as a result of that. I'm sorry, my sarcasm is uh, expressing itself freely today. I, I would contend, no, no. Some people might get scared into doing something, but I'm not sure that it's really going to lead them into a life-giving relation. If we live the truth, John 16, 13 says that, this is Jesus talking, when when I leave, the Spirit of God is going to come upon you, and he is the Spirit of, do you remember? He's the Spirit of truth. He will lead and guide you into all truth. Here, here's third. I, I skipped the passage in 3rd John where he says. Don't imitate what is evil, but live what is good. In other words, he's saying walk out the truth and the commands of Christ. Here's what I want us to see today. Listen, first of all, you've got to believe the truth, which is the truth about who Jesus says. We protect the truth because we understand the enemy is trying to lie to us about this important truth. And then we live out the truth. How? How do we live out the truth? Not by my might, by my spirit, by your spirit, says the Lord. In other words, I, I'm going to go out, you probably will too today. At some point, you're going to hear something, see something, get exposed to something. You're going you're to talk to a person. How are you going to know the, the real from the fake, the truth from a lie, the joy from the, not joy, How are you going to speak life into this? You're going to do it not because you can do it, but because the Spirit of God has been placed within you. And again, I go back to this. We're we're charismatic. We fully embrace that all the gifts of the Spirit are available today. Those are given for the building up of the body of Christ, the church. But God is, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of life within us is so much bigger than just gifts. He's leading and guiding us into all truth. And without the spirit of truth within us, we don't have the ability to to really walk and to live it out like he wants us to. We are hopeless without his presence continuing, the empowering presence of God leading and guiding us every step of the way. Here's my point, and I think John's point as well. It's this. I was trying to get that. There we go. It's this. The church is the body of why did Jesus come? Go back to my first. What was his purpose? For this reason I was born, for this reason I came, to testify to the truth. If we're the body of Christ, what are we to be doing? I think we're to be doing the same thing he did when he was here. Testifying to the truth. Now that is a big umbrella. How do we testify to the truth? We do it in so many different ways. But if we ever get away from the truth, we're goners. And we're not doing what God has called us to. Speak the truth in love. Not in judgment, not in condemnation. Walk in the truth by the Spirit of God that He's placed within us. Live out the truth by the power that He gives us and by the the joy of the relationship with Him. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Again, we don't do it, follow the commands to get His love. We just do it as a result of loving Him and loving the truth, and we're going to do what He says. We'll make a difference in this world. I want to encourage us to walk in the truth. Don't don't lose last week's message, by the way, walking in love. Because that's really what he's trying to tell us. Walk in love, walk in truth. Not an either or, not a 50-50 deal. walk, Walk it out every moment of every day. Let me ask you this. How is your truth factor working? Are you holding on to the truth? Are you loving the truth? Are you living the truth? May it be true in all our lives. Lord, we thank you today. We, uh, we love you, Lord. And we want to know that truth matters. God, we... we Understand today that without your power and your presence in our lives that we can't even, we don't even know what the truth is. We don't know. So I pray that we will receive a fresh empowerment of the Spirit of God in our lives today. Lord, I need the truth. I need to be being filled with the Spirit of God. Because every day I'm going to be confronted with another lie of the world. Lord, thank you that as you proclaim truth, so many other things happened. Lies, bondage, failings, all fell away. May truth rule and reign in this place today. I pray that there, there's anyone here today who, who isn't walking in a relationship with Jesus has not received you, O oh Lord, as the one who leads their life and forgives their sins? Has not received the truth that, Spirit of God, you'd lead them to a place today where this would be realized? Thank you. And may we, we who are followers hold on to the truth and joy and love. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take up an offering. And as you get your offering ready, um, there's a white card that you can fill out called a connection card. If you're new to Fullness, we'd love to have to know that you were here and to pray for you. We're not going to hassle you. We just want to pray for you. If you're a follow, uh, I've, I've lost my words now. If you're a regular tender at Fullness, on your connection part, card, put any. Dave's got him. He's going to show them to you, and he'll finish this up. He's going to share opportunities for service and talk about our connection cards.
1: Okay. <laughs> Awesome. Um, before we take offering, I want to let you guys know about a few announcements. Um, you've heard about it for the past several weeks, um, Operation Shoebox and Christmas in July. Today is actually the last day for you guys to pick up um, one of those cards in the foyer. So so do so if that's something you've been planning on doing. Um, also, we have a parenting conference coming up here in a few weeks that I think is going to be a blessing to, to many of us. Um, so if we can get that slide up on the screen real quick. Um we are, um, well, okay, we're not. Brook Hills is having Paul David Tripp uh, come to their church in a few weeks, but we are going to, we bought the streaming license for that event, and we're going to show it here for our church. Um, I wasn't familiar with, with Paul David Tripp. Many, many people are. Um, he is a uh, marriage and parenting kind of um, specialist. Uh, one thing I like about him is he's not, um, this isn't like, come and get, like, the formula for how to be, like, the best parent ever, Um, or, like, you know, five steps on becoming, like, the perfect parent. It's really principles from the gospel and how that intersects with how you love and care for your children and disciple your kids. Um, So it's going to be, it's going to be really good. Um, Okay, we don't have that screen up, but um, these are in the foyer, these little, these little, um, these little slips, and so we'll be letting you know more about this in the coming days. Um, and we may show some promo videos in the, in the coming weeks. But it's $35 per family. Um, it's going to be a Friday night and a Saturday morning. Um, I think it's going to be a, a real blessing to, to many of our parents here. And um, childcare is provided. So, um, with that said, we'll move into a time of offering. You know, as we say here, um, giving our, our offerings and our tithes to the Lord is just an extension of our worship.